I didn't really want to die. I just, I didn't like where I was. Mm. I think our athletes sometimes find themselves in that same kind of position. What if I can't be this thing that I have identified with for so long? When I first went to therapy, I had no idea what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. Good grief, I didn't even know what therapy was when I went to therapy. Right. Welcome to United Conversations for Student-Athletes, a Holinsky's Hope-powered podcast focused on the mental health of student-athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Nicholson. We've had some discussion on United around the idea of identity being so important to athletes to expand, to know yourself, how it helps performance, yes, but also just in life, especially when sport takes a turn we didn't expect or ends altogether. We've also had a really cool episode kind of drawing parallels between the military culture and uh, military people and athletes. And today kind of brings both of those together. And I'm super excited about this because we have Brian Simmons, a licensed clinical social worker, on today. The thing that is special to me about Brian is that he is my coworker. He's an athletic counselor here at Ole Miss Athletics. He is a Marine, retired. He is trained in EMDR and uh, works a lot with trauma here and also runs our alcohol and drug program. So he's just an amazing person as well as a great professional working with athletes in the area of mental health. He's from Michigan originally, but has lived in Oxford, Mississippi for a pretty long time. So I'm excited to talk to him and get his take on these things and his experience and how he connects with athletes on so many different levels. So yeah, let's get going with today's conversation with the wonderful Brian Simmons. Brian, welcome to United. Thank you, Josie. Glad to be here. I guess it should be like back because you had a great mindfulness piece that you did over the Christmas break, holiday break. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I know people really appreciated it. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And uh, long time no see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like this morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just am so glad that you're in my office and that you're working with athletes. I think that's where you belong. <laughs> I absolutely love where I am. Yeah. yeah. Right now, I can't see myself anywhere else. Stay here till you retire. <laughs> that's, the, that's the plan. This is, this is my final job. This is it. And you'll be the oldest person um, that refuses to retire probably on the so. campus probably so i'm probably one of the oldest in athletics now <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't know about that not the oldest yet getting there getting there well what do you like about it well other than your unbelievably amazing colleague well i have two amazing colleagues yes right between you and adelaide you know i i, I couldn't have had better colleagues i just couldn't you both are so different and so special it's pretty awesome um so you know i'm not an athlete 
but being a retired Marine, I really identify with athletes. Um, if I were an athlete, I think my sport would be combat, right? Or curling? Curling? <laughs> Probably kidding. not curling, no. <laughs> curling, a little bit, little bit slow, not quite my wheelhouse. <laughs> but, you know, as a Marine, we train for, you know, combat. We train for war, and these athletes aren't doing any different, right? They're training every day um, to defeat the enemy. Right, to get that edge over the enemy. And, um, you know, when they're in my office, that's kind of how I see them. I see them as warriors, uh, and, and we're working on that war craft. You know, what, what do we do to hone our skills for that warfare? And I think most of them, um, they see me, they, they see a Marine, they see a guy that just is ready to let them be who they are and accept them for who they are. It just works. That's awesome. I think so, anyway. Yeah, well, it seems to be working. Yeah, they keep coming back. So yeah, for sure. That's the only validation, right? People ask all the time, are you good at what you do? Well, I don't know, but ask the people that come see me every every week. I think they're the ones that tell us whether we're good or not. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. We had an episode with Dr. Erica Force that went through kind of some of the similarities between that military mindset and culture and athletics culture, one of which is that it tends to be kind of a closed system. Mm -hmm. Like you ain't getting in unless you really get it. That's right. And so it is validating and cool when people keep coming, you know, because it means you're part of the system. Right. And, but there's some really cool aspects that I think you have a unique ability to speak to in a personal way that really speaks to resilience and how that's built. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit, but the thing that keeps coming up on United is the idea of identity and how it can be detrimental to athletes when their entire identity is wrapped up in their sport, but it really comes knocking on the door when that sport ends or you leave the sport. And Absolutely. you had a similar experience in the military. Absolutely. You know, I, I didn't have any other plan than being a Marine. Um, I went in under kind of interesting circumstances. I didn't think I'd be in for very long. Ended up just absolutely loving it. Um, eat, sleep, breathe. It was, it was who I was. And at the end of 20 years when they said, okay, here's the door, Literally, the next morning, I woke up and uh, one of your previous people on the United used the word homeless. And man, when he said that, I just identified with it. I woke up feeling like I had no identity, no direction, no purpose, because I wasn't a Marine anymore. And it's so interesting when that you wake up in that environment, it's like nobody understands what you're going through, or so you think. I was certain no one understood what I was going through. And my wife, you know, was having difficulty understanding, you know, where all of that emotion was coming from and where the anger was coming from. To be this person one day and then not the next day, <laughs> that's pretty hard. And I think our athletes do that. They get caught up in this mindset that I am my sport. And if I'm not, then I'm nothing. You know, they don't want to hear about plan B. Well, plan B means I'm planning to fail at plan A. Well, but even Tom Brady, you 
know, he's going to have to do something else now, whether it's, you know, play golf or whatever it is. But for most of the athletes, even if they go professional, you and I both know that that career is very short, typically, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Average length is two to four years. What are you going to do after that? And not every one of them are making a whole lot of money that's going to sustain them for the rest of their 60 years or whatever, right? So being able to help them see that I don't want to wake up and not be somebody. I want to be able to know that um, being an athlete's good. Being a Marine was good, but there is life after, and I am more than just what I was. But these young 18 to 22 year olds, they, they're having a hard time imagining that, right? I gotta hit it big. And that's not every athlete, we know that. We have, we have folks that know that, you know, they're, they're gonna play college ball and then they're gonna move on. Those are not the ones that, in, in that particular area, we worry about. The ones we concern ourselves more with are those that have this total belief that I will be an NFL, NBA, MLB, you name it, or else. For those folks, um, that's more of the critical point, I think, where we need to really help them see beyond that and plan for that. Yeah, I don't want to squash their plans. I mean, I don't want to squash their dreams, their hopes. I would want them to go to the next level. But even that short. It will end. Yeah. It will end. And then what? What are we going to do then? So rather than say, hey, let's focus on plan B, how about, you know, what are we going to do afterwards? Who am I besides a football, basketball, baseball, whatever player, right? Yeah. Now, who am I besides volleyball? If I don't make it to the Olympics, am I still valuable? Yeah. Uh, when I woke up the day after getting out of the Marines, I was not valuable mm. because I just couldn't envision it. What helped that change for you? <laughs> Depression, suicidal thoughts, and then getting the help for that. Alcoholism and recovery process being able to let down my guard, and that was a hard process. Letting down my guard was a hard process. Yep, vulnerability is not in the Marine Code. No, it's not, <laughs> right? Um, I listen to Brene Brown a lot, and she always, um, at the end of her interviews on one of her podcasts, she, she says, fill in the blank, vulnerability is, and I'm always like, what would I answer? Uh, man, vulnerability is scary, mm-hmm. it's messy. But if I want to get better from you know some of these things, then it's necessary. Hmm. I got to be vulnerable, <laughs> even when it creates in me a panic. All right. Full disclosure: you and I did this once before, and I thought I was comfortable with it. And when I listened to the playback, I just kind of came apart emotionally and I think maybe it was a bit too much vulnerability Hmm. right Um, vulnerability is essential it really is for me somehow with it being blasted out to the stratosphere I think that made me just panic well I talk about vulnerability within safety Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that that's that has to be the way Mm -hmm. you know 
you know, clients say to me all the time, uh, I'm sure they say it to you all the time too, um, this stays in here, right? Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't go anywhere, right? But And they've heard it a thousand times and, and still, like, it's important to say out loud again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give them that reassurance. For me, having been in the Marines and in that environment where you don't show weakness, uh, you don't cry, you don't complain, you don't... Going and talking to someone just somehow made me feel like, that's it, I'm weak. Mm. Finding out that, man, that was the strongest thing, that's the hardest thing, the bravest thing I ever did. I believe that. Being able to share that complete story with another person that gave me strength. Mm-hmm. But see, that was one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew, I trusted that person. That person earned my respect and my trust. Yeah, it trust. took some time. It did. Yeah. It took a lot of time. Um, but once she did, everything was on the table. Um, standing up and shouting it out to the whole world. I, I, yeah, that's a little different somehow, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I, I really didn't realize that until we tried that, and it didn't work for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Athletes, you know, let's say they start to feel a twinge in their ankle when they're running. And they're like, oh, huh, that hurts. And they'll run through it. Mm-hmm. And no worries. As it persists, they start to think, I wonder if I should probably talk to my athletic trainer about this and then but they don't say well I can't show that weakness I can't be vulnerable I can't let them know that something is hurting they go to see and some do for some they wait a little too long even with physical injury but eventually going to the athletic trainer hey this is hurting can you check it out can you know and you talk about like what hurts how it hurts and the athletic trainer supports you in what you need to do mm-hmm. to get better. And that's very similar to us. If you don't go to get it checked out or whatever, or talk about like, how, how can I get this better? How can I keep it from getting worse? It will get worse. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes it results in a full fracture versus a stress fracture versus a you know, stress reaction, right? It's no different with our insides, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just so hard because it's been stigmatized so much. Right. Talking to somebody, we say it's not weakness. It's not weakness because it's taking care of things before they get to the point where it creates a weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in, in the Marine Corps, um, we call it sick bay, going to see the doctor. You just didn't go to sick bay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were if you weren't shot or blown up, you didn't go to see the doctor. Right? You you sucked it up. You you played through the pain. You dang sure didn't share your feelings about how that messed you up emotionally. You know how you feel about you know your buddy dying or not coming back or having his legs blown off. Um, and for many of us that didn't have any. Um, physical wounds or scars you know we don't want to say well my emotional scars you know mm-hmm. how that's how that damaged me emotionally I'm, I'm, these guys got their legs blown off their arms blown off they lost their lives who am I to sit here and go 
well, that messed me up, and you know, I've got survivor's guilt or whatever you want to call it, right? That, and we denied that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the athletes are in, in the same position, right? I'm supposed to suck it up. I'm supposed to play through it, run through it, right? And I don't think that we're doing any ourselves or our team any any favors. We're not we're not helping them when we do that. We're actually harming both ourselves and the team. Uh, and yet, it's much more accepted to go to see the athletic trainer and have them do treatment on whatever I've got ailing me than it is to go talk to somebody about how I'm feeling emotionally because I'm just not doing as well as I was and that's messing my head up. And it's the same thing when you go to the athletic trainer to say, hey, can you check this out? It's preventative in a lot of ways. Some athletes are reluctant to come see me, us, because they don't want to take the spot from someone who needs it. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, if you're an athlete, you're functioning pretty high. So need is a strong word. They'd mm-hmm. probably be fine. They'd be okay. Just like, you know, there's a lot of aches and pains that you can't ignore. It is kind of a gamble. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know if running on this hurt ankle is going to make it worse or not. But, you know, a lot of times you would be fine. Mm-hmm. I think we, especially in the high-performance arena we're looking for more than fine Mm -hmm. i'm looking for more than okay so need a strong word but if you have a headache and you're holding a bottle of tylenol or ibuprofen or whatever uh, you take one yeah (laughs) so it's it's interesting but that therapy for you was helpful in learning who you were Mm -hmm. And that's because therapy, in essence, is sitting in front of a mirror, learning about yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's a process, right? When I first got out of the Marines and, and was trying to figure out, did I want to live? Because, quite honestly, I didn't want to live if I couldn't be a Marine. I, I saw no other real option. Um, but I didn't really want to die I just I didn't like where I was Mm. I think our athletes sometimes find themselves in that same kind of position what if I can't be this thing that I have identified with for so long and that everybody knows them as right yeah so being able to um, start that identity path and you know when I first went to therapy, I had no idea what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. I went to rehab and... Good grief, I didn't even know what therapy was when I went to therapy. Right, like. you know, um, I went to rehab, okay, I stopped drinking, but you know, I still had that, I don't know who I am. Uh, VA said, let's go to college, and I was like, I don't really think I wanna do that. And then I get an undergrad degree. Uh, then I was thinking, well, I'm, that's it. That's as far as I need to go, right? And next thing I know, I'm doing a master's degree. Surprise. I mean, the identity is growing and building. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, that's good there, too. And then, um, you know, doing the cl- clinical track. And it's like, where does it stop? doesn't have to. It, it really doesn't have to. I don't have to plan it all out, but on the same, at the same time, let it be what it is, you know? One of my favorite songs with the Beatles, Let It Be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
let it grow. We talk about identity like it's an endpoint, and, yeah. it, and it's really, I mean, you know, I'm much older than the athletes. You are much, much older than the athletes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we are constantly becoming the person we will be. Mm-hmm. That means that I know myself today, and that means tomorrow, I get to know myself tomorrow, and, and you just build like that. But like it, five also, years ago, I didn't know myself as a mom. Right. But it also works in reverse. Mm-hmm. We unbecome who we once were to a degree, right? I'm still a Marine in my heart, in my head. But I'm Aren't not you? On, I'm You're not, always a Marine. Right. Yeah. I'm not putting on a pack or boots and, and getting out there. I'm, I'm not going into combat in that sense anymore. But I, that part of my identity has morphed. It's mm-hmm. changed. I am not that active duty, never will be again. But now I'm okay with that. And that took time. Oh, it took a lot of time. I mean, look at my office. Yeah. All the Marine stuff is still there. But that's kind of memory lane. That, that's, that's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And yet part of who I was. I think it's Joseph Campbell that has this really cool concept. I'm not going to call it a quote because I will misquote it. Mm. You have to let go of who you were to become who you will be. Mm. I think that is scary Mm -hmm. because it's all you've known. And yet we don't ever, I don't think, ever really totally let go and it's always still there. It's mm-hmm. part. It's part of who I. That's. I mean, that's part of the total package, right? In that great big filing drawer, it might be on the bottom shelf, all the way in the back, but it's still there. It's part of who I am. You know, it's interesting. Like when I was uh, in my addiction for alcoholism, my addiction defined me uh, to a large degree at, at a critical point in my life. And today, I consider myself to still be an addict, an alcoholic. But I define that. Mm. You know, in the AA, people say all the time, hey, I'm Brian, I'm an alcoholic. And I stopped a long time ago introducing myself that way. And it's still a sticking point with some of the old timers. Mm-hmm. But I introduced myself as, hey, I'm Brian, and I am a person in recovery and remission from the disease of addiction. And that's how I identify with it today. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's what I'd like the athletes to be able to do is find their identity in their sport, but also beyond their sport, mm-hmm. right? Who am I today? Yeah. What's cool is that if you, like I have athletes oftentimes write a description of themselves in their sport. Mm-hmm. So they will often say, I am a hard worker, I'm persistent, I'm aggressive or you know assertive or whatever it is I'm strong I'm fast like those things don't go away those are characteristics of the person and so the the athlete that becomes a an accountant the marine that becomes the social worker I tell this joke when I introduced Brian that Upon retirement, the Marines gave him back his heart so he could do this work. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. But. That's fun. You have been somebody that serves others. That's part of your makeup. 
and it's looked very different throughout your life. And with athletes, you know, if they can see how they show up in their sport, take a step back and know, I mean, loyalty, Mm. teamwork, you know, I'm a team player. I'm a team player. I always have been, whether I'm playing soccer or in this office or, you know, Team Nicholson, Mm -hmm. you know, with my family. But, and athletes just miss that sometimes, Mm. you know, because people are going, man, that game you played on Friday night, that was really amazing. You were really getting after it and hustling. Mm -hmm. They're not saying, you're such a hustler. Mm -hmm. Like, you really work hard. And a a lot of our athletes, like military folks, have a hard time feeling successful in their sport. Mm. And that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. It really is. Okay, so if I sit on the bench for four years, am I successful? I mean, did I add to the team? I was at every practice, you know, I did my job, and I was ready to go all the time, but I sat on the bench for four years. But if you're D1, you're still in the top 2% of Correct. America. So am I successful? <laughs> And there's a lot of debate about that. Well, yeah. I didn't make it to the next level. I didn't make it on the field. So, no, I wasn't successful. If you ask a Marine the same thing, even though they had a positive 20-year career like me, spent some time in some difficult places um, in conflict, but never got wounded, never got a Purple Heart, never got a Bronze Star, Silver Star with a V for Valor. So does that mean at the end of my 20 years that I wasn't successful? that I didn't do my part. And the answer typically is, no, you're right, I'm not successful. And that's such a wrong interpretation. Mm-hmm. And yet you yeah. can't convince the person in the moment that that's a wrong interpretation. Well, because people have, so there's two parts of that. People have their their definition of success that they defined a long time ago and they never adjusted it for the situation. But identity plays in here because typically at the collegiate level, athletes, part of their identity was that they they were the best. Mm-hmm. They could look around and say, I am the best on my team. I am, you know, the winner of the state championship or I am more talented than other people. The best idea is part of the identity. And so when they get to college and they look around and everybody was the best And now, you know, you've got seniors that have four to five years more experience that you're comparing yourself to. Mm -hmm. And so there's a a real identity crisis with, well, if I'm not the best, who am I? So I have to start working to be the best again. So somebody we're going to have on United in a few weeks, Steve Messler, he gold medalist uh, bobsled Mm -hmm. person trained in Florida, which was very Jamaican-like, <laughs> but he um, he won a gold. I won't spoiler alert the whole episode, but he won gold medal, mm-hmm. a gold medal, and what followed was depression, mm-hmm. and that is such a common experience for people who win gold medals because it's like, well, now what? Right. Right? And I thought that was, I thought that once I was successful everything else would be fine. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work that way. Well, the answer is, what's next? What's next? That's the and question it, that's out there. What's yeah. next? What do I do to top 
that. What will my right. life consist? Michael Phelps was generous in sharing mm -hmm. that with us. And, and some other really right. top-tier athletes have shared that same thing. Who I am stand I? on the yeah. podium, but then I feel like I'm in the dump right. afterwards because I have nowhere to go after that. Who am I beyond this quest? Mm -hmm. And who am I you know, beyond this arena? Mm -hmm. And it's such an important thing. And I know therapy can help. It's funny. I believe that we grow in the context of others. Mm -hmm. But so many of our athletes, when you say, okay, your social group is your team, what do you guys talk about? Mm -hmm. Find out that 90% of their conversations are around their sport. Mm -hmm. And so they're not really getting a sense of who they are in their relationships. Mm -hmm. I believe that hobbies help mm -hmm. as well. Trying things. And this is one that I am not good at. I don't like to do things that I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so even not doing things. And I think that is something that plagues our athletes too. They'll, they're like, you know, oh, I can't play the guitar. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to do that because I don't do it well right off the bat. Right. But exploring who you are in situations where you're not the best, mm -hmm. <laughs> where you don't pick it up right away. Mm -hmm challenging yourself musically or whatever mm -hmm. and for athletes it's it's not much different than for military I, let me qualify no one in the military sets out to aspire to earn a purple heart no. or a bronze or silver star or medal of honor right in sport uh, especially in the Olympic sports, you aspire to earn a gold medal, mm -hmm. a silver, bronze, right? If you don't achieve that, right, for a, a military person, if you never went to a conflict zone, never entered any kind of combat, well, maybe your job was administration or supply, and that's not where you go, right? I was in a recon team. That's where you go. Mm -hmm. So the mindset is no different regardless of, of the job you're doing or sport you're playing. So am I no good if I if I didn't, you know, break the records or, you know, get this many yards or this many kills or Or play this percentage of right the game. I get this many minutes and it's always mm -hmm. by minutes. How many minutes did you get? No one in, in the military is like, how many minutes did you get? <laughs> <laughs> but they do say, How many times you been in combat? Yeah. How many times you've been under fire? I like it's, um, I'm better than you, or you're just, you didn't do your part. The hardest part for me was the survivor's guilt, mm. right? I came back seemingly whole. I, I know that my mind was a bit fractured, but seemingly whole. Um, no exterior wounds, injuries physically. Um, and I felt guilty about the guys that either didn't come back or came back, you know, without body parts. Mm -hmm. And I felt guilty for feeling that way. Like, why am I supposed to feel this way? But I felt it anyway. I think that was the hardest part. And I think athletes definitely, when they have injuries, you know, what could have been. Mm -hmm. you know, why did I get injured, or why did I get injured again, or why do I keep getting injured? Um, right. You know, why am I not good enough to be a part of this? Mm -hmm. Sitting the bench is is hard. Yeah. 
It is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's the hardest job on the team. Yes. Because you sit on a bench and support mm -hmm. everybody else. Well, a lot of times those are the hardest workers as mm -hmm. well. And the only reason the starting line is as good as they are is because they're being pushed. Mm -hmm. So that means that typically the bench is right in the mix. <laughs> so it's it's just, it's so hard. And I've seen relationships that get all mixed up in it too, where the, and it's kind of like survivor's guilt where the, the person that is named the starter finds it hard to be as close with the person that's struggling with being on the bench. And that's, you know, that's tough. But yeah. I did want to mention one thing. I made this, this list of things that can help in developing identity, therapy, hobbies. I believe also a pet mm -hmm. helps because you can be yourself completely mm -hmm. and they don't judge you unless it's a cat. I think cats sometimes judge you, but... but no offense to cat people. Not at all. Uh, but there's a, there's a thing that I've seen people really grow with and it, there's different types. But if you type into Amazon or Google the five minute journal, mm -hmm. Um, or there's, you know, another name of the journal is like uh, All About Me or whatever. And it's just tiny little prompts every day and it feels silly sometimes. And some of them are really, you know, simple and prosaic and some of them are kind of take a little bit of deep thought. But none of it requires like tons of writing. But it's just little things that you are looking to yourself for the answer and it doesn't have to do with your sport. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we get that with friends, but when you're around people who do the same thing as you all day, every day, and your whole life is about it, you're, you're gonna get much less of that, if mm -hmm. any. One of my focuses for folks that come into my office is, you know, typically when they come into our office, they're feeling a bit hopeless, mm -hmm. right? Um, a bit directionless. And if I can help them find a little bit of hope, a little bit of direction, um, because that's what I got. Mm -hmm. right? um, I was without hope for a good couple of years after I got out of the Marines. People helped me find hope. You jokingly said, you know, the Marines gave me back my heart uh, so that I could go back about my business. I think <laughs> I've always been a helper, mm -hmm. even in a recon team, helping guys to be better. To, to survive and, and to tough it out because there were some times where it was hard hard going, right? Yeah. Being an encourager, being a supporter. When I got out, I, I lost sense of all of that. Because you weren't in, it's, you didn't have the place for it to show up right. as it had been showing up for 20 years. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, being able to go through that experience of, you know, therapy and I remember the first time my therapist said, I'm going to teach you how to breathe. <laughs> okay. I don't think I like you, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know how to breathe. Um, but being able to sit with that and just experience quiet and breath and focus on things that are good and things you're grateful for helps to gain perspective. It doesn't deny any of the bad stuff, the difficult stuff, the hard stuff. But what it does is it reminds me that it's not all bad. It gives it a little balance. Yeah. And if we can give them hope, if we can help them see some direction, I don't ever want to 
you know, trample someone's plan A. Mm-mm. I want to go to the pros. I want to go to the Olympics. I want to go to the next level. Yeah. I don't ever want to squash that. But I also want them to be able to say, okay, what's the roadmap look like further down the road? Yep. Let's have a plan for that. Because if we don't have a plan, in the, in the military, there's a great quote, and it's a, it, planning to fail is failing to plan. Mm-hmm. Or failing to plan is planning to fail. Yeah. So having a plan is essential, and then you got to put that plan into action and be smart enough to know that <laughs> no plan ever goes exactly according to plan. Right. Period. So be able to be flexible, build in that flexibility. Um, but the more you know yourself, the more flexible you're able to be. Right. And I think that's the one thing, most of all, that therapy allowed me to do was to learn who I was and mm-hmm. who I wanted to be. I have a note on my bathroom mirror. It's been there for a long time, and I expect it'll be there for a long time yet. It says, who do you want to be today, Brian? And that's kind of my go-to mantra, especially in moments of stress and who do you want to be today? Even last week when I had a bit of a panic attack, (laughs) an episode, I still said, who do I want to be? I was scared to reach out and say, don't share that. Hmm. And yet, I was smart enough for me to say, that's the right thing to do, so let's do that. Mm-hmm. And having colleagues, I'm getting emotional right now, having colleagues you trust enough to be able to be that honest with, <laughs> that's priceless. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. And I appreciate you. Uh, right back at you, Josie. And the decisions you've made about who you want to be today, at least for the time that I've known you, have been awesome. Mm. So thank you. It's been a good journey. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, and we're not focused on the destination anymore. Yeah. Right? You know, the most natural part of life is we're all going to die one day. Do I focus on the death or do I f- focus on the living? Mm-hmm. I want to live. Yeah. And when I got out of the Marines, I was focused on the death. Right. I, I don't want to live. There's nothing to live for. Today, yeah. man, it's just completely different. There's yeah. so much to live for. I want to ride my bike. <laughs> I, I want to run stadium stairs. I want to sit with some really awesome people and help them find their direction. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Well, you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that the other jobs I've had weren't, you know, important and meaningful it's been a process to get to here this particular place with athletics this is just what feeds me more Mm -hmm. because I identify with them and I really feel like most of them identify with me yeah it's not always a fit but yeah that's part of it too for sure yep well thank you Brian this has been really cool thank you uh, yeah you know love you brother right back at you (laughs) all right Josie Again, a big thank you to my dear colleague and friend, Brian Simmons, as well as our producer, Graham Doty, and our editor, Chelsea Battle. If you're struggling at this time, please reach out to family, friends, or a licensed mental health professional in your area. We also want to hear from you about topics that you want to hear about, so please reach out to us at info at Let us know what would be helpful for you or your fellow athletes to hear about. Share this podcast with anyone you believe would be helped by it. 
Subscribe to it, rate it, and review it because that helps other athletes find the podcast. If you would like to know more about Holinsky's Hope, including how to donate to help with all that they're doing to support student-athlete mental health and reduce the stigma that surrounds mental illness, visit www.holinskyshope.org. Please take care of yourself, please take care of others, and always have hope. Thank you.